I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Ginger and Dutch podcast. It's the Masters Week special. You can hear the excitement in my voice pumped up. It's not springtime. It's the fall time, so it's not a new beginning. It's a closing, but uh, how could you not be excited? We got the Masters Week jam-packed slate here on the Ginger and Dutch podcast. Hugh Burrell's coming on. Rob Roxborough. We might as well get to it right away, Dutch. It's, it feels like spring. It's 20 degrees out. It's beautiful. The sun's shining. And man, oh man, can I not wait for the Masters. And it'll be a little bit different this year. But with the weather, it's uh, it's it's going to be uh, quite intriguing. We all know there's no fans. I, I'm, I'm pumped for the Masters. I can't wait to talk our picks. I can't wait to talk to Hugh and Rob, see what they have to say about it. I'm looking forward to it. Let's uh, let's get started here. What Who do we got first here? We got Hugh coming on. Okay. All right, listeners. We have co-host of Lead Off on the Fan 590 of the Morning Show, host of the golf show on Saturday morning with Scott Metcalf, avid golfer, golf nut, friend of the show, Mr. Hugh Burrell. Hugh, are you on the line with us here? Hey, guys. Yeah, got you loud and clear, loud and clear. Oh, you make me sound really important with that uh, with that intro. Like I really know what <laughs> oh, I'm talking you're about. You're a friend of the show. We got a pump. So, uh, oh, thanks. Yeah, I appreciate it's that. Great, uh, it's great having you on, and we appreciate you coming on. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. So, um, tell us, tell us all about it. We uh, we mentioned it there in the in the uh, the lead up to having you on here. Host of Lead Off Fan Five Ninety, uh, the morning show. Tons of listeners during those weekday morning hours. How fun is it working with uh, with Scotty Mac and Ziggy on the show? It's it's a blast, you know. And if you get up at three o'clock in the morning like I do every day, uh, you better be getting up to have a lot of fun. And that's exactly what the show is. Uh, Scotty Mack and Ziggy, they, they keep it nice and light. It's just um, ideally, we just want to be just a, a a few people you hang out with in the in the morning as you get ready for your day. And you know, we hope to inform you, but even more importantly, enter, entertain you for three hours, right? Because uh, I mean, we're not splitting the atom. We're, we're talking about sports. And um, so we, we try to keep it light, informative, uh, and, and we try to have some great guests on that, that we think people will be interested in hearing. And uh, and, and so far, it, it's worked out pretty great. And, and those guys are just a blast to work with. I mean, Scotty Mack is just he's such a, a great host. He's so knowledgeable. His depth of knowledge uh, across uh, a bunch of sports is is really impressive and and Ziggy he's he's got a, a million stories uh, he's got a million names to drop um, he's not quite through the million so far but but he's getting close uh, he's got a, he's got a lot of great stories and, and being a former 
pro hockey player, he has a different perspective. He can kind of peel back the curtain a little bit and and let you in on the inside stuff and kind of what happens in the in the dressing room and you know before and after games. So that's an interesting perspective too. It's just so I mean a long-winded answer to your question. It, it's a lot of fun, but I'm so damn tired every day. <laughs> I know missing out on those uh I don't know how you you, you managed to squeeze an 18 hole uh, round in after the show as well. So we we've had Ziggy on before and and he was a he was a great chat. Um it's it's just nice listening to you guys. You're a breath of fresh air, and we uh, we certainly enjoy it. Um, let's just flip to to golf a little bit, Hugh. I, you know, it's sure. your Saturday morning. You're you're on with Matt Calf. Uh, you're doing the morning show. I know you're a big golf nut. You know, what's give me give me a golf course? Like, what's the best golf course that you've you've played or or slash covered in in Canada? What what wow. what's the number one that hits you? Wow, there's a there's a, there's a tough question. I mean, well, I mean, you know, being a you know a media hound, I mean a lot of times we can, we're lucky enough that we can kind of call up and kind of squeeze our way onto the course. Uh, the nicest course played in the Toronto area, probably an ultra private one that unfortunately not everyone is going to get a chance to play. Uh, but Beacon Hall uh, up in, up in Aurora is, is just, it's, it's something. I mean, you've got, you got nine holes is kind of a, a linksy style. Then you've got the other nine, which is kind of like a Carolina Pines layout, it, it's just it's it's absolutely beautiful. And and the, the couple of times I got to play there, it was in immaculate condition. Uh, I've also been lucky enough to play some some pretty nice courses um, in, in Las Vegas as well. That's a my wife and I nice. try to go to Vegas as much as possible, and, and God, we're missing it right now. But uh, yeah. it's nice it's nice to get out in Vegas and play a different type of course, that desert type of course where the you know. You always feel good because your ball travels a little further in, <laughs> in the thin air out there. So, so it's nice. There's a couple of courses out there. Paiute uh, comes to mind automatically. There's a Coyote Springs, which isn't really in Las Vegas. It's about an hour and a half outside, but it's an it's another it's another great course too. I mean, I, I'm glad that you mentioned Beacon Hall because it's actually uh, it's both uh, Stefan and I's. Uh, it's in our top five across the board. We we absolutely love it, and I'm I'm from the area, so we're fortunate enough to play it once a, once a season. And it, it's just a treat for sure. And it sure uh, is. Fortunately, not a lot of people get to play it. Right. So, yeah, I mean, I mean, I, and of course I didn't want to leave out Nobleton. I mean, Nobleton, notwithstanding, I mean, after, <laughs> after Nobleton, I mean, Beacon Hall, it's like a, a it's a photo finish really between Beacon <laughs> Hall and Nobleton. Yeah. Well, thanks for all, thanks for all the credit on that for sure. Yeah. But I mean, so, we're lucky though in Toronto, we, we, we have, I mean, all joking aside, we, we have so many great public courses that you can play in Toronto. Now, are, are, are they necessarily inexpensive? No, not really. I mean, it, it comes with the territory of living in Toronto, right? But there are That's there right. are courses yeah. here for everybody, and we're lucky that way. We are. Yeah, for sure. So we'll, we'll shift gears on it, Hugh, and we'll, uh, we'll move into the Masters and uh, this week. And I know you guys on the show are, are doing uh, specials, having some great guests on, and I'm hoping to land Mike Weir uh, coming fingers, up. Um, fingers crossed. Yeah. Pardon me? That's right. Have you ever been on the property? Um, I'm sure it's no. going to be a bucket list experience for you. Are are you kidding me? They wouldn't let they wouldn't let a guy like me on on Augusta. Are you crazy? They wouldn't let me. Not, not the even as not even as a guest, not <laughs> a spectator yet. No, no, I, I haven't had the uh, the privilege of either being a, a patron or a participant in uh, one of the media tournaments. But I have, I do know friends in the media who have 
played. Uh, I guess there's a lottery, I think, on the Monday following the Masters yep. for the media. I, I know a couple of guys who have been fortunate enough to play. And, I mean, words can't really adequately express the beauty of the place. Um, and they say what television doesn't offer you is you don't understand how hilly Augusta is. Like, it's a chore to walk that place, apparently. The, the hills, uh, there, there's not a flat lie at the place. Uh, and and they, they, they all mention the green. And they say it's like putting on a, on a, you know, a pool table or a glass coffee table. The, the greens really are that fast. That's bucket list stuff for sure. Maybe I'll, you know, I'll maybe hop the fence one night, you know, bring a seven iron and a putter or something. Be well, chased off by security. <laughs> well, I can't believe I got one up on you. I'm something. I uh, I was there in 2017 as a as a spectator. I wish I would uh, could say I played it, but I was there on, and I couldn't agree more with everything that you said. Uh, the 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 undulations, the terrain is just uh, unreal. And that was the year that uh, that Sergio won. Unfortunately, he won't be playing this year. Yeah. I just heard he withdrew. Yeah, that's too bad. So I, I yeah, it's too bad. But it, it's it, it's crazy. So we're gonna have some fun here. We got a little bit of rapid fire that we want to just fire at you. We're gonna okay. get a few names and we just we we just want to know you know what you think their chances are so right. uh, are you ready to play a little game with us i think i am yeah i think so all right how's that all for right. confidence so, are you, so how it works here you is uh it's buying it you because i know you've been to vegas so i know and you might have uh you know placed a few units down over your uh, <laughs> over your lifetime while you're there so you're either buying or you're selling, oh. and we're going to just give you a name, and uh, you tell us what you would be doing. Okay. So, we'll, of course, we'll start off with the 2019 defending champion, uh, Tiger Woods. Are you buying or are you selling? I'm buying. Uh, you, you, you count out Tiger Woods at your own peril, and he may not hit it as far as a lot of people at Augusta, but nobody knows better where to hit it at Augusta. I'm buying. I, I love it. I love it. Bryson DeChambeau, buying or selling? Uh, reluctantly buying. Uh, oh. I'm not a huge fan of the guy, but he hits it so damn far, and he's so strong that he can he, – like rough? What rough? He, he'll, he'll, he can chop out from anywhere, and he's been putting better. So, yeah, I'm buying. Oh. I want to argue that one because because I know that he's going to try and overpower the golf course and we might see some greens for the first time ever some of the par fours that might be driven by. Yeah. but as you stated and as you stated and what I've seen you know you can't be 20 30 yards short of some of these holes because you can't even see the flag stick you so I don't know um it's hard not to so yeah I guess the reluctancy I can yeah, see yeah. So there you go yeah, yeah. Right. I mean I, I, so, it's, I'm kind of it's kind of a happy hedge uh, it's like Okay, if he does well, sure. great. But if he doesn't, that's okay too. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna group a few here together. Okay. And we're gonna group the Canadians. That's Corey Connors, Nick Taylor, Adam Hadwin, and Mike Weir. You buying or you selling? Uh as a as a group. I'm as a group. As a group, I'm selling. But if we were talking individuals, I'm buying Corey Connors for sure. His ball striking. Love it. His ball striking's great. Um, the other guys, nah, not so much. Yeah, I'm taking Corey Connors in a in a first yeah. in a little first rounder. I think uh, I think he might be the leader after day one. Uh, he's he's got the tools for it. Will yeah. he can can he stand up the pressure? Yeah, fingers Reed? crossed for sure. Patrick Reed, buying or selling? Uh, selling, and there's no spectators this year at Augusta. Um, <laughs> the, the the guy that feeds off the crowd. Um, 
almost as much as Tiger Woods is Patrick Reed. So I, I think not having spectators there, while for a lot of players, it's actually going to be a benefit for guys like Patrick Reed, um, not so much. I'm selling. Okay, last one. Because I heard you talking about it, so I had to throw this in. Young Bucks. Right. Morikawa, Wolf. Oh, I'm buying both those guys. In fact, um, I'm my kind of sleeper pick to win the whole thing is is Wolf. He's both been in what two yeah. two majors, and he's finished in the top five in both. Uh, now, I mean, Masters Masters is different, but again, that's that's balanced off by not having spectators. Um, this almost feels like a very low key Masters, and that might. That might be a boon to the younger guys who, who may get caught up in that whole drama thing, you know, Sunday on the back nine. Well, they don't have to deal with that, with those large, large galleries anymore. So Matt Wolf, I mean, he hits it a ton. Um, yep. We'll see what the putter does with him. That's that's kind of going to be key. I mean, yeah, no kidding, Hugh. The putter's key every week for every golfer. But I mean, especially on these greens, they're, they're just ridiculous. But yeah, I'm buying both those guys. Morikawa. Yeah, sure. Why not? He's already got a major under his belt. Wants more. Yep. Yep. Yeah, I, I love it. And you really touched on something here there about the about the crowds. I think we're going to see some of these, I, you know, when we did our uh, our talk here, Masters Talk, we talked about rookies and nobody winning as a rookie since, uh, you know, 79 with Fuzzy Zeller. Yeah. I think I think you're on to something this week that without without the crowds there, um, some of these young kids or, or some of the guys that haven't been around Augusta before have a little bit of a better chance because, you, like you said, they don't have to hear these roars and they don't have to worry about any of that stuff uh, creeping into their game or, or people running around the back nine trying to situate themselves to see the next shot. It's just fairway green tea, fairway green tea like they've seen their entire life. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's a major, so it's going to be pressure-packed no matter what, but not having yep. fans, that, or sorry, patrons, not having patrons at Augusta is just <laughs> yep. kind of one element of the equation they don't have to worry about, right? And it's so, yeah, I, I think some guys are, are, are really going to, you know, be okay with not having crowds. But you mentioned a guy like Tiger Woods. I mean, man, if, if there was anybody that, that wanted a crowd there and that uses the crowd to his advantage, um, I mean, ask Francesco Molinari what it's like playing with Tiger Woods uh, on a Sunday. <laughs> yep. That's that's all you need. No, no, you're 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 bang on. It's it's going to be something special for sure. Seeing a totally different um, tournament, the one that we always gather with the in and there, the crowds are such a big uh, a big big part. Yeah. Of it, so it's going to be interesting. Listen, we uh, we appreciate you coming on, Hugh, uh, and thanks for playing along with us. Uh, one last thing before sure. we kind of let you go. Um, how uh, so? How is your golf game? Have you uh, do you have a place, or you just kind of play abroad and uh, and. Uh, Rumor has it you're uh, you're not you're not that bad. <laughs> well, not every rumor you hear is right. Uh, <laughs> the, the game, to be honest, guys, I think my game has actually regressed this year. Um, it, it's things it, playing too much. You're playing. Too yeah, much. maybe maybe that's maybe that's the. I'm great at golf as long as I don't play. Uh, <laughs> it, it, it's okay. Like I I love the game. Uh, I, I used to take it you know pretty seriously and you know, toss the odd club and stuff. But I don't know, I mean, 10 or 12 years ago, I just said, what are you doing? Like, like, who cares? So now I, I, go, yeah, out, yeah. I go out and I have fun. I just enjoy the day. I, I enjoy the people that I'm with. Like, I, I can hit it a fair, 
a fair distance. I don't always know where it's going. Uh, but for me, <laughs> it, 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 it's like every course to me is like Augusta. It's the second shot. It's always the yep. second shot where I get in trouble. So overall, it's not bad. It's not bad. Let's let's not talk handicaps. We don't, we don't have to let people know that kind of thing. So. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll get we'll get you back out to Nobleton next year, and uh, and maybe uh, Ginger and I will come uh, come and have a little match oh. with you guys, and uh, we'll have some fun. I, I, bring Ziggy up and you up. And absolutely. We'll have a little, uh, little game. I, yeah. yeah. We'll we'll play for uh, a Coca Cola or something. That'd be great. That's right. Sounds good. <laughs> Sounds a, good. Cheese, a cheese and pimento sandwich. That would be perfect. Go. Thanks, boys. I appreciate yeah. it. Thanks for having me. Right. Thanks for coming on here. Take care. Right. Take care. Well, that was great to get Hugh on there and hear his thoughts. He's so cool. Yeah. Yeah. Cool guy. Down to earth guy. Uh, loves to play a little golf. Well, not a little golf. Loves to play a lot of golf. But <laughs> exactly. uh, you know what? It's good that he's able to get out there and enjoy the game. So thanks for you for coming on and enjoying it and giving us a little rapid fire and his thoughts on uh, the 2020 Masters as he sees it. And we'll see if his uh, his pick or picks, as we'll say, we'll see uh, we'll see how he makes out. That's right. Time for uh, our picks. Time for our picks. We got uh, Mr. Rob Roxborough coming on the line here in a few minutes, but. Uh, Let's get to uh, to our Masters breakdown here and, and what we believe and what we see uh, happening at this week's Masters. Going to be interesting to see. Wet golf course. Looks like some heavy rains coming in on uh, on Thursday. Yeah, Wednesday and Thursday, they've, they've got uh, the tropical storm coming in. So it's it'll be interesting to see, and that's going to be muggy the, the rest of the week. So Yeah, I think that's going to uh, set up uh, advantageously for, for some of these bombers. I don't know who you got on your picks, but uh, I think that um, you got to have a couple guys uh, on there that can get the ball out there off the tee. I know it's an iron golf course. Some people think it's a putting golf course, but I think it's. I think this is about an iron golf course, and whose iron play and wedge play is sharp and can access uh, these pins. Well, Bryson thinks it's a driver's golf course, so we'll see what happens with that. But he's not on my picks. Uh, um, I'm going to start. I'm going to fire it up. Uh, I'm actually, I got two or three guys that haven't won before. And you know, I'm a big believer as we've talked about it. I'm a big believer on, 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 you know, somebody winning. Cause that's what it always seems to be. If you look at the leaderboard the last few years, um, it's always the same guys near the top. And, um, I'm not going to stray away from that. I, uh, I, I do have a, he's not a, a sleeper because he's won before, but he's definitely, uh, he's at 35 to one. I'm going with Bubba Watson. He's been playing really good lately and I'm, and he's won there. We all know that. I think he's going to have a real good run. So I've got Bubba Watson as my, we'll call it sleeper pick, even though he's won. Um, a guy that we haven't talked about at all on, on air since we started all of our golf is, uh, is um, the Italian. Well, he hasn't shown any form. He hasn't, him. but you know what? He showed some form this, this past week. Yep. And, and he he was there last year, the year before. He was always up there, and I'm I'm gonna go with Francesco Molinari as a as a little bit of a dark horse there. I think he's got a, an opportunity to, to to show well there. And my big gun, he's finally gonna get over the hump. My big gun of the week is Dustin Johnson. It's his time. I want to see him win the green jacket as well. So I'm going with DJ. I think he's got all the right tools. He's been the best player in the world the last six months. He's been rocking and rolling. He, he after a couple of weeks off with this with COVID, he came back. He had a nice showing this week. I, I think he lost on purpose because he didn't want to win this week just so that he could go to the Masters, not being a champ. But he was right there. Look out, folks. DJ's in the house. That's who I'm picking. I love it. I like it. I like it. I like some of those picks. I'm not sure Molinari's got a, quite enough. Um, distance 
to hang in there, especially if it's a wet golf course. He could have some longer clubs coming in. It could get tougher for him. But you know what? When he's hot with those irons, he's as good as any. He hits just those straight lasers, yep. and he'll be able to access to where he uh, needs to get to on, on these tricky greens. Yep. A couple interesting facts I was looking up about the Masters. Did you know that uh, they didn't start handing out the green jacket till 1949? Did not. And in 1939 was when the green jacket got introduced. For the first 10 years, all it was was the members would walk around on the days of the tournament, and that's how you would distinguish between uh, members and public, and then you would know where to go to oh, cool. if they needed help about the golf course or the tournament or where to go or what to do. So it was actually a member-based starting thing, and then in 1949, Sam Snead was the first person to ever put very, on, very on cool. the green jacket. Very cool. After all those things, I didn't know that. Um I got to agree with you on some of these things. It, it, it's about the leaderboard. No rookies ever win. We still haven't had anybody since Fuzzy Zeller in 1979 was the last rookie. Only three in history have ever won. Yep. So I agree with you on that side. It's going to be these names that we've seen here before. And one thing I wanted to bring up as well, I think this course record could be in jeopardy this week. The course record 63 by Nick Price. Um, I think it's in jeopardy. I think somebody might be able to either tie that record or go real low. If these greens are soft on the first couple of days and that wins down, these par fives are all reachable. Um, you can really start to uh, pile up the birdies on these back nines. Yeah, and I'm not going to disagree, but I, I don't think they're going to have them that soft. I don't care what the ring. You know with their system that they have there. They'll do everything they can to keep that those greens running as fast as they can to make it as difficult as possible. And I don't know if the, the wet, you know, on in the fairways and that. So what do you think the winning score is going to be? You think it'll get to double digits, like 10, 12? Oh, easily, easily. Yeah. I think it's going to be like minus 16, minus 17. I really do. I yeah. really do. But then that's why I said I can't disagree on the course record. I just um, – it's hard. They're not going to They're not going to change. Their, uh, those greens are going to be absolutely lightning, no matter what comes through Wednesday, Thursday with weather, I think. And by the time Saturday, Sunday comes around, we know where those pin placements are. We know what to expect. It's one of the coolest part about that tournament is, is you know where every flag's going to be on Sunday, you know, where the scoring holes are, and it's it's so much fun to watch. It's the best golf tournament to watch, in my opinion. I know you, you're you a big, uh, uh, you know, Yeah, I love the Ryder Cup. And, and you love the Ryder Cup. Yeah, that's yeah. just, yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, Bryson, what do you think? You think this, this strategy is going to work for him? No, no, we talked about it with you. I, I, I don't think it's going to work. I, I think there's, the, what people don't understand is this, is like I said earlier, is this just the elevation changes and so much different. It doesn't matter. You can't overpower the Masters, and I might be wrong. I was listening to Adam Stanley, and he was going on about all oh, they might have to change it for Bryson proof. I disagree. I, I disagree. Prove it to me, because Bryson hasn't had a hasn't had anything better than T twenty one there in his three three appearances there. So let's see what let's see if he can do it. All right, we'll move on to my picks now. Nice little chatter there in between. I'm going to start uh, with my sleeper. He's had success at the Masters here before. He can drive the ball out there. A good distance, and he's fairly accurate. Good iron player when he's on, and that's uh, the Englishman. No, not Lee Westwood. Paul Casey. Uh, Paul, he can't win, but I like your pick. Paul Casey's going to be there. Love it. I'm going to go with the hot hand. Somebody who uh, can put the lights out of the ball. Also can is a great driver of the golf ball. Has shown form here. He's been in the top five before. He's been right there on Sunday a couple times with a chance to win this golf tournament, and that's Jason Day. So I think Jason Day's yep. got something to prove. I think he's uh, he's going to be a rock steady pick. I think you're going to see him there over the course of the weekend. And I'm going with the 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 hot major man. I know everybody talks about Bryson, but when you look at over the last three years, nobody's won more majors than this guy. 
He's gearing up. If you looked at Houston, the rounds just keep getting better and better as the week went on. And I think he's gearing up for this golf tournament. He wants to shut everybody up, and that's Brooks Kepka. I think Brooks Kepka is going to uh, be there on the weekend, no doubt in my mind. And he'll be ready and able to battle whoever's at the top of that leaderboard. And if it's a shootout, he can win. If it's tough, he can win that too. So yeah. uh, those are my picks. I like him. I like your picks. I, like I said, I don't know if uh, I don't know if, if Casey can win, but he, he's a top five guy for sure. And I, Day's in great form right now. If his back can hold up. And Brooks is—he said it. He's—he's he's the guy. It's just can he can he do it there? He hasn't really had a, a great track record around the Masters, but um, he's in perfect form and uh, he's ready to shut the naysayers up, like you said. Well, that's enough of our listeners hearing us. Yeah, let's, let's, uh, we got Roxy on the line here, so yeah, let's uh, flip over to uh, Mr. Rob Roxborough. One of the best resumes in PGA of Canada history. We've got Mr. Rob Roxborough on there, head director of operations at Magna Golf Club general manager at the National Golf Club of Canada, and now one of the premier private facilities in Canada at Devil's Pulpit, Devil's Paintbrush. Rob, are you on the air with us? I am. Thanks for having me, fellas. I appreciate it. I'm looking forward to talking today. Yeah, as a fellow uh, professional, we started this uh, gig up a little while ago, and we've been having some fun, so we appreciate you coming on. Uh, we got the Masters in the air, so we're uh, we're really excited to talk and pick your brain on what's happening in your uh, your career right now, Rob, and and uh, and with the Masters, uh, we're looking forward to it. Well, listen, thanks. You know, it's a, it's an exciting week. I can't believe it's in November, but yeah. uh, we're, we're we're closer to uh, to rivalry week and American Thanksgiving than we are anything else. But it's still it's still great to have it, and I think it's it's nice to see the season end like this on a high note. So it's wonderful to have the Masters coming. Absolutely. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see you with um, having two Masters in, in five or six months here. Hopefully we can get one in in April and have a little back-to-back jacks. will be fun. Robbie, uh, just wanted to give our give our listeners uh, a little background to, to your career for those that, sure. that aren't familiar. And, and um, you know, I, I covered it there in, in the, uh, the lead-up there. But, um, you know, Started out at uh, at Deer Creek, then moving over to, to Magna Golf Club and, and really staying in that high-end private, moving over to uh, the National Golf Club of Canada. You know, this is one of the best resumes that we've ever seen in, in our side, and, and we've got tons of our professionals that respect you immensely. But, um, you know, one question that I had for you was, what was the allure? Why, why the pulpit and the paintbrush? Why did you, uh, you make that jump? What, was, uh, what kind of made you make that move? You know, it's funny when you're arguably at the number one golf course in the country at the national and deservingly so it's the toughest test in the game in this country. And, and you know, it's always one of those things where everybody's, well, you've hit the peak. And, and honestly, I, I believed I had. And what was interesting was I got I got approached by a headhunter who said, listen, there's something really interesting going on in Canadian golf. And they're only looking for a few people that might be a good fit. And so I kind of got a bit of a rundown. And I said, so where is it? He said, devil's pulpit and paintbrush. And I said, you got to be kidding. I said, I've always loved that those properties and the golf courses but what are they trying to do so we kind of read in the middle of the winter that a couple of members had purchased it and it kind of sounded like it was one of those you know equity takeover type transactions and nothing could be further from the truth and it's a hedge fund uh expert named uh john clark and uh, prem watsa who owns fairfax financial in our world he owns golf down as one of his assets and so anyways they they took they took these golf courses and my first interview, um, it was a little bit more of the mechanics that you expect in a job interview. What, may, you know, what are you looking for? What makes your club great? Second interview, I sat down with John and Prem uh, one-on-one, and it was this is where we're going. And the vision 
of what it's trying to be. And the integrity of the paintbrush staying super tight, super exclusive, really the goal is to make it the toughest golf course, golf course in the country to get on in the next couple of years. And the, and the pulpit being truly an American resort style private club entity where it's more than golf. So you, to answer your question, here's the answer from my side, is it not that I was bored with golf, but the vision was bigger and the vision was grander and the vision was something I'd never been involved in. So the idea to go in and learn something and sink my teeth into something that was totally out of the scope of what I know, horseback riding. I, I punched a horse in the, in the nose the last time I rode a horse. <laughs> like a bla- I was at a blazing saddles. True story, by the way. And then so anyways, but but all this other stuff. And it was one of those things I was like, you know what? We're going to build out an incredible family dynamic and we're going to build golf programming and we're going to do all these things that are in tennis and fitness and all these things that are bigger than just the game. But truly where wholly we think golf as a member activity is going to go because we all know families join clubs any from now on i worked at the last golf course at the national where he came in he decided he paid he played that does not the way it's not the world we live in now and it's a family dynamic i think it's fantastic and this really was a spot where you know what i i could see myself growing with it and the other part too is you know my daughter she i I have a, a young girl and a boy now and um i'm an old guy with two young kids and you know they love it that Uncle Weirzy's on TV, you know, now that he's playing champs tour. And so they're excited about it. And I knew at the national having a daughter first, I'd never get to play golf with her there. And to see that she's excited about the game and that sort of thing, it was an easy transition, an easy decision and the best move I've ever made in my career. Oh, that's, that's that's amazing. Um, I pulled up an old quote from back right when you were first hired and, uh, and it was all over the, the, the media on it. And, and I, I looked it up and, and this was, and correct me if I'm wrong, this was, uh, what, did I, uh-oh, what did I say? No, it said, it said, <laughs> it said the place is known for its golf and that's fallen off. Now's the time to plug it back in. So by saying that, you know, it's been a, a, a you've had a full summer there. It's crazy, obviously with COVID and everything going on. Um, are you happy with the progress in the short time? Very. It's been, you know what, it's been putting some great people in the right place. You know, you and Dougal, speaking of our profession, you and Dougal is one of the most recognizable names and faces, but has been out of Canadian golf um, for, you know, almost uh, 15 years, arguably, from Coppinwood Eagles Nest. He took a job down at Silverleaf, one of the preeminent golf courses in in the Southwest, um, built that up and then got recruited by Bob Parsons of PXG Parsons to go run Scottsdale National. And then, uh, you know, an opportunity to, to move back to the east presented itself. And, and so anyways, to, to see him and bring him back north of the border and back to our local association to strengthen it was, dy- was, was, was dynamite. I had a couple of people follow me over in the hospitality side of things from the National, which is recognized for its incredible, you know, food and beverage and service. And we built out a lot this year. And there's a lot of good people that work there. And I, I'm, I'm ha- we're so happy with it. And the one thing that we're trying to be, you know, the one key element to there is is to be relevant again this golf club property back when the guys from trivia pursuit started it mr haney and yep and mr abbott that when it was their vision everything at that point in time was cutting edge it was the coolest this the hottest that the this it was the biggest shiniest fastest sports car and it's it's it lost its way and now these guys saw that but it deserves better and the members deserve better and that's really it and relevance for us is you know what we we're looking to host national championships and uh lawrence applebaum called me today and we're trying to have a a canadian amateur men's canadian amateur women's a mid-am maybe the c um the 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 ladies you know open 
um, uh, CP. And you know what? We've already had Golf Canada up to investigate the idea of moving forward to the Canadian Open. Uh, th- none of those things are in the immediate future because we have some housekeeping to do. We're doing irrigation. Just did an almost $2 million bunker project with Better Billy uh, with KCM. So that just tied up today. So there's so much positive momentum going forward. And, uh, and we're doing winter programming, ice skating, tobogganing, snowshoeing, trails. So there's a lot to do. But back to the golf asset being the key, the, the, you know, the key to it all is that we'll get there in the next couple of years. But really to make that golf, either one of those properties, the talk of Canadian golf for the week is reinventing the signature of where it needs to be because it should be scripted as one of the top properties in the country. Well, and you're the right man for it. And uh, rumor on the street says you might have landed a few high-profile celebs as members, but we won't get into that. Oh, wow. Oh, wow. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. No, I, no playing, playing golf with Steph Curry this summer was a blast. And, yeah, um, I bet. Honestly, the guy just totally melts it. It's ridiculous. Yeah. So we're playing this one-hole 13 at the pulpit, if you know it off the top of your head. It's a kind of a triple fairway, uh, par yep, five, yep. Little fair, goes to the left. So. We're a little downwind, and he's been smashing it by me with his driving iron all day. So, anyways, I said, that's enough. I'm throwing a little old man strong into this one. Do I not flush it? I flush it. And I look at him, I go, and I give it the full tiger spin. I go, that ought to do it. So, anyways, he gets the driver out, and absolutely, it's DeChambeau-ish. Comes off the club face. And, I, and he looks at me and goes, that ought to do it, old man. I get up there. <laughs> so I hit it 327 yards. He was 74 yards in front of me. I shot him with my Bushnell. I go, stand wow. still for Pete's sakes. He goes, what are you doing? I said, shooting the distance between us. Yeah, I could have built the Walmart and the Shoppers Drug Mart in that. I've never seen a ball come uh, off the club face. It was ridiculous. And he was giggling the whole time. Unbelievable. Unbelievable. You answered some of the other questions. Do you see yourself? I'm going to put you on the spot. Yeah. Do you see yourself ending your career there, Rob? Um, you know, it's you've been you've been rocking and rolling. You, you've done a few different things. And one one of the courses that um, Ginger didn't mention was you were at Hamilton for a little bit. Is this uh, is this is this it? Is this going to be the, the you know, where you want to end it? A hundred percent. So much so actually moving uh, next week. We're moving to Cowlitz and still live in Ancaster when I was at Hamilton. And we love this area, uh-huh. and it took a hence lot. The, hence the long drive. Hence yeah. the long drive. And, and uh, so anyways, you know something? It's, uh, it's time, and with two young kids, you know, I have a one-year-old GMC Sierra, and it's got 65,000 kilometers on it. So it's, an, it's, oh, a, it's enough. And, um, but all in all, this is it. I'm making a full commitment. I, I, I thought, you know, my wife and I talked about me waiting a year to decide, you know, was this going to be it? And it didn't take a year. It didn't take two months. And wow. they can't appreciate what I've done more. Uh, and, and be more respectful of it and, and are all about the vision and nothing's wavered from the, the, the butterflies I got in the interview to today. And, uh, we, you know, we got season one under our belt. So uh, this, this is fingers crossed. I, I don't see me making a move from here and we're making a family commitment to being local in the area. So game on. Yeah. And, and we know uh, Dutch and I hear that uh, you won't stop until your uh, pursuit of perfection is, uh, is completed. So that's great stuff, uh, great great stuff. stuff to hear. Thanks, thanks guys. I appreciate the kind Robbie, let's uh, let's switch over now uh, to uh, the Masters here, and um, we, you know, we want uh, our listeners uh, to know a little bit of background about you and and your relationship with Mike Weir, and and you know, we know you got a couple cool stories uh, <laughs> of you being on on property there. So, um, tell us all about it. Tell us about what happened with uh, with you and Weirzy, and and your relationship with him, and and what went down. Well, Mike and I have been friends since we were kids, and uh, I was probably a mid teenager, call it fifteen, and he was twelve, and 
And uh, we've had a long history together and grown closer over time. And, and then I went to school down at Jacksonville State and he went to BYU. We kind of separated for a few years after junior golf and reconnected it in California playing mini tours. And we've been tighter than two coats of paint since. And it's funny because, you know, then, he, you know, he goes and plays in the Masters and you watch him win a couple of tournaments. Air Canada was, was you know, the hair still stands up on, the, on my arms. Uh, you know, think about that shot that he holds with the eight iron and all these things along yes. the way and watching him win the world golf championship of Valderrama. And all of a sudden, next thing you know, one, two, six, where he's off to the masters and, and, and crushing it and played well his first couple of years. Weirdly always thought he was a guy that would play well in the, in the, in the open championship overseas and never did. Masters has always been the one and PGA championship. Yep. He's got, you know, great track record in, but you know what, that was where, that was where he thought it was going to be it. And I've been so fortunate, you know, I couldn't go in 2003 um, and I was supposed to, and I pulled the trigger at the 11th minute and I disappointed him and I, who, who ultimately got disappointed. But in 2004, I had an incredible experience. I mean, I ate lunch with him in the champions locker room. I met Tiger there for the first time. Um, And uh, you know, when you get to Augusta, you have to have the spicy chicken sandwich, the curly fries and the uh, peach, cobbler with vanilla bean a la mode ice cream so when you get there so when you boys get to the champions locker room you now you know what to order i don't need a menu no thank you so anyway yeah so we get there and uh, and it was dynamite and and with tag sitting there and of course you know he's tiger woods and you're just weirdy but i'm looking at tiger woods and so so anyway we're uh so they had a great conversation of course i was a third wheel but but uh you know that was a great day i got to tour the the clubhouse to a degree in the library where the champions dinner is and what goes on and VJ Singh sitting over there talking to some people. And I mean, it was really cool just to be in it and feel it. And, um, and then, so anyways, uh, a few years later, I got the opportunity. Uh, Mike asked me if I caddy for him in the par three contest. So wow. at the par threes, a couple of great stories come out of that. So one of the things that's, so we tee off on one and he flips a wedge down there. We play with Jim Furyk and Ken Duke. So in 2003, when Furyk won the, won the US Open and Mike won the Masters, I actually traveled to the Grand Slam of golf uh, where Furyk was playing at Poipu Bay, and so was uh, Sean McKeel and Ben Curtis that year. So anyways, I had kind of come yep. across Jim, so we're having a laugh through the round and the whole thing and, and remembering a couple of day, a couple of odds and sods here and there and having a blast. So anyways, we get to it, and, and uh, don't you know through the first, probably first four holes, where's he's three under? He looks at me, and he almost makes a one on the second hole. Hits a wedge to an inch. And uh, yeah. next hole makes a long putt, and so does Jim. And so when it was puttering along and we get there, so there's a bit of a holdup on the fifth tee. So, so anyways, I, I walk forward and on every par three hole, there's a couple of members in the club and they introduce you and they're like, they're, they're, they're the ambassadors they're hosting. So anyways, I see, yep. I see secretary of state Condoleezza Rice standing there. So anyways, I, I where's he's look, signing autographs. I go, hmm, I'm going to go over here for a minute. So I walk over to her <laughs> and I said, Ms. Rice, I said, uh, I said, I said, nice to meet you. I said, uh, an acquaintance of yours is a very good friend of mine. She goes, who could that be? I said, Peter McKay, who ran for the leader of the Conservative Party just recently. Yep. I yep. said, Peter yep. McKay. She goes, oh, how's Pete doing? I said, oh, McKay's fine, blah, blah, blah. So we start talking. <laughs> so anyways, where's he signing autographs? And he looks at me with this raised eyebrow, like, what am I doing talking to Secretary of State Condoleezza Rice? So anyways, we're talking. And, and so anyways, it's almost time to get the T-shot going. I go, where's he whistling? I go, I go, hey, where's he? Come over here. Like this, right? So anyway, she goes, Rob, you don't have to call me Miss Rice. Condi's fine. I go, where's he? Come be Condi. Like this. So anyway, <laughs> he's, he's 15 feet from me. He goes, he goes, who the hell are you right now? Who 
who are you right now? <laughs> yeah, well, so I walk over there and he goes, Miss Rice, nice to meet you. I go, no, no, where's he? It's Condi. He, and Condi goes, Rob's yeah. right. Like this, right? So anyways, he goes, you're a handful. <laughs> so we go along and, yeah. and we go through the next couple of holes. And so anyways, he hits a sprinkler head. A couple of holes later, goes up into the crowd and three wiggles it from there, makes a bogey. So now we're puttering along. Sun's going down. We get to nine and we're a little bit behind in time. We're three under-ish, plus minus. So we're not winning. Six was leading. We got one hole to go. So anyways, we get there. And this, and this is the hole where Jack Nicholas's grandson is uh, makes the hole in one yep, on nine. Yep. And so if, you, if you've yep. got a friend who can get the ball over the pond, this is where they play. And you're not going to win. So anyways... The guy turns, he goes, and he says, um, uh, for the respective daylight today, gentlemen, there'll be no guest striking from the tee, right? So I go, all right, no problem. So Weirzy looks at me, he goes, too bad, bro. I said, no worries, no worries. So anyway, I goes, what is that? I go, 20 front, seven on, 27 hole. He goes, give me the nine. I go, are you feeling a breeze I don't feel? He goes, just give me the nine. I go, okay, here you go, no problem. So I hand it over, and he <laughs> looks up at me. And I'm standing looking at him. He shuts the face. He looks up and he smiles. And he smashes it into the crowd where there's 5,000 patrons up in this amphitheater. It's a natural amphitheater. (laughs) Smashes it up in the crowd. He goes, if you can't play from here, you'll play from there. I said, you're on. So we're walking walking around the pond. True story. True story. We're walking around the pond. And he turns to me. He goes, holy shit. I said, what? He goes, you're right-handed. I said, don't worry about it, bro. I got this. I, 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 back in the day, I used to be a pretty handy baseball player. I go, is that about a left-handed? He goes, well, somebody's going to die. So anyways, we go up there. We part the crowd. We part the crowd. <laughs> and I hear Ian Leggett's in the crowd. He's chirping me. He goes, hit it, Digi, hit it. So I go, yeah, man, you got it. If I had a dollar for every person that told me they were in the amphitheater that day, I'd have about $8. So anyways, oh. so I got this lie, and I got a, I, I'm a mile over the green. The pin's front. So the ninth hole in the par three, if from front to back, goes lower shelf, tier, and then falls off and then spreads wide at the back. So I've got to hit the shot. i got to check it, land it on the fringe, check it up, and then have it trickle down the slope to, to my left. So anyways, people are partying the season. Mike goes, he's not even left-handed, guys. Move back, move back. So anyways, do I not hit singly the greatest chip shot of my entire life? Do I nice. not hit it, it where it lands on the fringe, checks up. Jimmy Furyk looks at me and goes, chest bump, buddy, chest bump, like this. I go running up to him with chest bump in the middle of the green spread like this. <laughs> so where's he now has the bag on his shoulder, goes, bro, you got to make the putt. You got to make the putt. I go, watch this. I'm going to bury it. So we get down there. I had about an eight-footer. I had a 10-footer for my second putt. And literally, <laughs> so at the Masters, they give away a there, there's a flag that you can only buy on the Wednesday during the par three contest. It's like the cult flag of those masters people, who, and they don't sell it online. You have to be there, like it's true to form. Yeah. So in my office, there's a flag sign from Weirzy, and he goes and he says, oh, "Greatest it. lefty chip of a uh, master's history, worst three wiggle of all time." And that's it. So, anyways. It was a beauty. Yeah, we've had we've had some blasts there. We really truly have. So those are those are some great ones. But the honor to be on the property, the honor to walk those grounds with him. Um, it's a privilege. I I've, I I drove up and down Magnolia Lane in the courtesy car, uh, like I owned it, like I knew the guys at the gate, like I was the boss of Magnolia Lane. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's he. Yeah. he you know that he's one of my best friends in the whole world. But what makes him great is he shares those moments. They're not to himself. 
And, yeah. Yeah. you know what, that's the quality guy he is. And to see him crushing it out there right now on the Champions Tour and how hard he's worked in the behind the scenes of everything he's tried to revitalize himself, um, he's, he's, he's awesome, man. And he's just good people. And you know what, he's everything you'd expect from a Canadian golf superstar type guy who doesn't try to be the superstar type guy. He's awesome. Oh, man. You know what? That is absolutely unbelievable. I can't, I can't thank, we can't thank you enough for, for giving us those stories. Uh, our listeners are going to just absolutely love it. We got a ton of following, especially with golf. So um, amazing. And thanks very much. Before we do let you go, let's talk real quickly just about the Masters. It's, uh, um, you know, are you a traditionalist? Are you, are you okay with it being in November? Uh, who do you like this week? Uh, anybody popping in your head that's, that's out of the norm or you think it's going to be one of the usual suspects? You know what's funny up? is, you know, they say the weather's going to get bad and get wet on Thursday. And, I, and, and yeah. while we're on topic, if you remember the year Weirsy won in 2003, it was yep. pouring rain. They got rained out, if you recall. And you look at who was yep. in the last group, Jim, uh, Jeff Maggart and Weirsy, and neither one's a bomber. So it's actually quite interesting. But I think this year, truth be told, I think that it's going to be pretty much the chalk. I think you're going to see the top guys up there. I think everybody's peaking at the right time. And if I'm going to put a name that isn't DJ or JT or DeChambeau and Rom, I'm going to tell you to watch out for Patrick Cantlay, who just won a couple of weeks ago. I watched, I witnessed yep. that guy firsthand hitting balls at Vintage Golf Club down in Palm Springs. And the sound it makes and the efficiency he swings it with. And when the roller gets going, this guy can get it going. And he's so unflappable. I don't think the moment's too big for him. I can't wait to see him take this on. If I'm gonna, if you're going to go for a little something off the grid, and I think he's probably 12th in the world or something, which is not far off the grid. But a yeah. guy that we don't talk about firsthand, I like Xander Shoffley, and I like Patrick Cantlay to win this week. Well, that's great. You got two different guys than us, and we were going to take uh, – we were talking about it, and I, uh, I hemmed and hawed about Cantley. I, uh, I couldn't agree more. I think he's got a good chance. And, you know, without the crowds, you know what, some of those usual suspects, like you're – you know, you, you can't obviously – Tigers, I can't see him uh, obviously winning, but he will be around there. You know, you, your Rory doesn't like it without the crowd. So um, I like your picks. I think it's uh, – You know, it helps the goal. guys who are inexperienced in the spotlight because it's not a raucous environment. Like those – those cheers at Amen Corner are true, and they echo in that hollow. Yeah. And, you know, you get a guy like Matt Wolf, and you realize how well he played in the U.S. Open, and partially because it wasn't maybe the electricity around it, he played his game. You know, Colin Morikawa at the PGA Championship, another guy. There's a guy to watch out for. But, you know, those are the yep. things that I think if we keep in mind, you know, what those could be – we could have a bit of a surprise winner, and that's one of the things that I think that, that you know, can't they make keep it cool. So if I was going to put five bucks on it, then I'd probably pick him. But I like so I like the young guys as an opportunity here because the moment isn't going to be too ruckus. It's going to be just a round of golf and and they can play like that. Love it. Awesome. That's great insight, hey, well, Roxy. Thanks, well, guys. Roxy, thanks for having we, me. We appreciate you coming on. We appreciate you coming on and uh, we we wish you nothing but the best here at uh, at the pulpit in the paintbrush and um Thanks again. We Listen, anytime, time. and uh, and thanks for having me on. I appreciate the invitation, and uh, next time you can't find a guest like today, just give me a call. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Rocky. Thanks, I guys. Appreciate, appreciate it. it. Bye now. All right. Take care. If you ain't Dutch, you ain't much. So welcome to Ginger and Dutch. 
cannot believe I got suckered into doing a break for Ginger and Dutch this week. They must be getting pretty desperate to reach out to me. I feel kind of hypocritical doing this. Like, they aren't even my favorite Ginger and Dutch. Andy Dalton is my favorite Ginger. I like Orange Drank better than Ginger, too. And, and Alistair Overeem is the best Dutch. And, oh, uh, I think I already started recording. And you better be listening to the Ginger and Dutch podcast, a real-life passion for real-life sports talk. And that's the bottom line, because Stone Cold Skinny said so. Oh, hell yeah. All right, listeners, welcome back from break. Hope you enjoyed a little segment there from the Ginger and Dutch podcast. All right, we'll get off the Masters and the golf talk because there's more happening here in the world of sports, and we'll get on to uh, the Shield and the NFL. A little Week 9 synopsis, and looking forward to Week 10 here coming up. Another crazy week. A crazy, crazy week. There was some scares for sure. You had the Pittsburgh Steelers almost losing to the Cowboys. You had the Kansas City Chiefs barely, barely breaking victory. You had Dalvin Cook run wild on the Detroit Lions for the second week in a row. He's amassed six touchdowns, 480 yards going. Your Buffalo Bills, boy, your Buffalo Bills took down a giant. Hey, Russell Wilson, who, what? Did Josh Allen outplay Russell Wilson? Uh, yeah, I think so. Um, and last but not least, Tom Brady. Boys, I don't know, but I haven't turned many games off this year, but I... Turned the tune, the TV off after that game was an absolute embarrassment. You're starting to see some action now, eh? Yeah, it'll be. It, this week was was topsy turvy for sure. Uh, games you thought would be close were not close, and games that uh, you thought would be a blowout were not. Yeah, and it was uh, once again every, any given Sunday, and that was that was uh, evident again this week in Week Nine. But uh, how about my Buffalo Bills and uh, and Josh Allen? I know some may laugh, some may call me a homer, but uh, I think after this week solidified himself as a top five in the top five for MVP voting with the likes of Russell Wilson, with Patrick Mahomes. I know Brady laid a dud, but he's got to be there. Um, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how these Bills play out. Come on, his first half stat line was just off the charts. It was what what a normal season would be like, or sorry, a normal full game would be like a few years back. 285-ish, three TDs, I think. He was just, he was phenomenal the first half, and he was phenomenal all game. And yeah, I know Seattle's defense is a little weak, but uh, I think he gets the, uh, him and, him and, uh, and, and I'm not going to talk too much about the Vikings because they're still only three and five, but, you know, him and Dalvin Cook are, are the offensive players of the week for sure, and one in the NFC, and, and definitely uh, Josh Allen in the AFC. Those are my opinions for sure. Yeah, you can't uh, you can't argue with that. Buffalo may have two guys. See, they may get the defensive side as well with, yep. with AJ Klein with a with a big game. Yep. But uh, the big players are coming. The heavy hitters are coming out. They're starting to solidify their um, their spots. But some big big games this week starting uh, in week ten here with Thursday night Colts and Titans in a huge AFC South battle. Um, Arizona and Buffalo playing again. You've got uh, Minnesota playing there for their season on Monday Night Football yep, against, against the, Bears. the struggling, struggling Chicago Bears. You should have listened three weeks ago when you told her all uh, told when we told you those uh, Ginger and Dutch listeners that the Bears are who we thought they were, and they're coming back down to size. And the Minnesota Vikings are still alive here in the NFC North. My Detroit, my lonely Detroit Lions I've been hanging on to for a while here now. 
they're officially done. Um, we're going to start to see some teams fade off here into the sunset, into this playoff pitcher, and it will solidify, I think, itself over the next uh, three, four weeks yeah, these here next, in the NFL. these next few weeks are, uh, are critical for sure. But uh, on to our picks here. We, uh, we won't spend too much time. On to our picks. Uh, you had a, a decent week, and once again, I, I struggled, but we, uh, we did manage to uh, take down the, the New Orleans Saints last night, and that saved my week uh, on the uh, units or shekels or whatever you want to call it, so I uh, survived a week. But uh, so much for my lock of the week with the Colts. Uh, they did. They were winning at half, and then yep, uh, and then they, they, just didn't, they didn't score a point in the second half. And and uh, Russell Wilson, what can I say? You know what? Threw two picks, and he didn't look the uh, the same. Buffalo's D finally uh, showed up. So good for you. That brings your uh, season total to 13, 12, and two. So you're hanging above five hundred, and I'm a lowly uh, eleven and sixteen. But um, I'm vowing to get past five hundred here. So. Uh, so one uh, good week away. One good week away. Let's uh, start with how I started uh, the, the whole season, which uh, I was three and old, then two and one, two and one, and then the wheels just fell off. So, anyways, where are we going to go here? Who's going first? I'm rolling. Another two and one week. Let's I'm do it. Rolling after a one four and one start. Yep. I am uh, hot twelve and eight in the last uh, five weeks here. So uh, I'm going to start with the Carolina Panthers at plus. Five and a half points against those Buccaneers. The Buccaneers, the uh, the offense just doesn't look like, and the uh, the addition of AB might take a few weeks here to see how things play out. Uh, they tried moving Evans into this slot. They had him outside. Uh, you know what are they going to do with Scotty Miller? All of a sudden, Gronk's on the field more than what he's been in the first uh, the first six seven weeks here. Uh, they've got to find themselves offensively, and it was not there. It's still the same old Brady, pressure up the middle, and he gets the quick feet, and he just starts chucking it. So they've got to figure out who they are, what their identity is. Carolina hung tough against Kansas City. They showed me a lot. They've been playing tough, tough football all year long. And uh, McCaffrey or not in this game, I like Carolina. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I'm a little bit concerned about, you know, now that they've lost McCaffrey again. Um, But, yeah, I, I, I do like your pick. My next one here is the L.A. Chargers. I know you don't agree with this one, but they've been heartbroken many a times, as always, in other years, past years, this year. Got the game taken away from them on a last-minute play uh, against those Las Vegas Raiders, against the Miami Dolphins. I think the streak, and, and hear me out here, this is why I think I'm, this is why I'm taking the Chargers here. Miami's scoring a lot of defensive touchdowns. That's uh, four special teams and defensive touchdowns in the last two weeks since two has been in here. Yep. He had a better game this week. The first week against the Rams, all he had to do was manage it because of those defense and special teams touchdowns. Yep. This week he showed a little bit, you know, throwing well over 200 yards with some decent accuracy. So he, he showed me a little bit. But um, I just think that, that uh, Herbert's the real deal. And I just think the Chargers are not going to stop fighting, and I don't think Miami. I think this is a little bit of a letdown game for Miami. That was a big game against Arizona for them, and I'll take the Chargers plus a field goal. All right, all right. I'm on the opposite on that one, so we'll get to that. And uh, on Monday night football, it's your beloved Minnesota Vikings against the Chicago Bears monster of the midway. And I'm just taking the the better team right now. And I know you're all jacked up about your Vikings. We had a conversation off air. Mm-hmm. And they have looked good uh, against two uh, inferior opponents. And I think it's another inferior opponent again this week. Come on, the Green Bay Packers aren't inferior. They're leading that division. I just don't, uh, I just don't think the Chicago Bears are going to be able to hang with the Vikings. They're getting hot. They're going to ride Cook. 
The Bears got a good run D, so that'll be interesting to see how they handle Cook. But uh, I'll take the hot team and I'll take the Vikings. We found it at minus two and a half here, so I'm taking the Vikes minus two and a half. Even if it was three, I would take it still. All right. Well, I like two of them, um, and I'll start with uh, that same Monday night football game. We're back to Monday night uh, picking. And, yeah, it's a homer pick, but how can you not take the Vikings minus two and a half over the Bears? I already stated Dalvin Cook. Um, Thielen's been quiet. The, the the past game's been quiet, but it's been all Dalvin Cook. I think he's had 48 touches in the last two games. He's just been uh, a Christian McCaffrey-esque. He's been a beast. Um, yes, the Vikings were 0-2 last year against the Bears, uh, but it's a, more of a desperate. This is a must-win again for the Vikings. If they want to get anything back into the race, they've got to take care of the division game. So I'm taking the Vikings in Chicago, taking them down. Let's go to the Eagles. Now, the Eagles are starting to get healthy. They're coming off of a bye week. They're playing the New York Giants, a big division game. Uh, the Eagles are minus three. Uh, I like what they're. Uh, I like the fact that they're getting some help back. Um, Carson needs it because he's, he's just been all over the place. But I, I do like that game. Um, where's Frank Reich when you need him? I mean, maybe, maybe he's, a, maybe he's the, the reason why they, uh, they went to the Super Bowl. Maybe it wasn't Mr. Peterson. I don't know. But I, I like that. I like this pick. So I'm taking the Eagles minus three. And last but not least, I'm going opposite with you, uh, Ginge. I'm, I'm taking the Dolphins. It's two a time, baby. It's two a time. And I know it's just been a mediocre first two games and the defense has carried them, but the Chargers just keep finding ways to lose. They, they just they can't figure out a way to win. They've lost three close games in a row. They had the ball, game in hand, ready to go. They line up. You've got, I don't need to say anymore who they have on their offense. And, and, and okay, if it would have worked, he looks like a genius, but it didn't. So everybody's criticizing right now. You line up four wide on the left side, the last play of the game, and you put your, your, your second, third string tight end in the far right corner and throw a ball in there. And he threw a beauty in there, but lo and behold, the young man drops the ball and boom, game over. Chargers lose another one. I'm taking the Dolphins to stay pace with your Buffalo Bills. To set up, possibly, I know we're still a little bit of time away, but there could be a showdown coming up uh, late, late in the season here against the Miami Dolphins and Buffalo yeah, Bills. That'll be a squish the fish game in Week 17 here. Hopefully, we'll uh, we won't have to squish them too bad if it means anything. But yeah, uh, yeah, yeah I, I, you know what? They had the matchup. That's the matchup they wanted. You know what? He's on a, a smaller corner was on him. The, the play was there. He's just got to hold on to the ball and complete the play. But yeah. um, listeners. Thanks for tuning in to our Masters Week special. Thanks to Hugh Burrell, Rob Roxborough for uh, for coming on the show. We truly do appreciate it. Enjoy the Masters. Enjoy Week 10 of NFL football. Look out for our weekly challenge launching Friday. Dutch took me down on the golf course with a 35-foot bomb. You'll have to see it. Unbelievable. Can't wait for the Masters. Finally, I win a golf challenge. Take care, folks. We'll see you soon. And thanks for tuning in to the Ginger and Dutch Podcast. Make sure you join us, Ginger and Dutch listeners, next week for our NBA free agent special with some more great special guests. I'm Ginger. And I'm Dutch.